Streaming services got you down? Did they remove a TV series while you were in the middle of watching it? Did they delete a film that you previously paid for? Physical media is the answer to these problems, and the Disc Connected is your guide. Hi, I'm Ryan Verrill, creator of the Disc Connected, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to all things physical media, including 4K UHDs, Blu-rays, DVDs, and even VHS tapes. Each week, the Disconnected releases an interview with an industry professional like director Sean Baker and hosts a live show with a guest to highlight all of the boutique physical media releases that were announced in the seven days prior. Following these announcements, the guest and host also discuss a topic in film. Previous topics have ranged from favorite films directed by a specific director to impactful films that are directed by women. You can find the Disconnected on the podcast service of your choice or on YouTube. I hope to see you in the live chat. Welcome to the Center Clueless Podcast, podcast takes day-by-day approach to politics. My name is Billy Ray Bruton. My name is Eric Sirwell. Hi, everybody. Oh, welcome, boy. Welcome to Sunday, the day the Lord hath made. <laughs> the day the Lord hath made. Coming out of your mouth, Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I'm a very righteous person, uh, so mm, we're, we're going to yeah. be getting into uh, and, and religion in this episode. Oh, yes, very religious, <laughs> very righteous. I'm a very holy person, uh, most yeah, people well, would say. And, and that you have holes is what you're... Yeah. Oh, I have all the holes, all the right. prerequisite holes. Right. By the way, speaking of prerequisites, you know, so there's like this, you know, there's this insane incel world out there that talks constantly and it's completely crazy. You know, incels are people that are involuntarily yeah. celibate and they've come out with the 666 of what what women are looking for a man that's six feet tall, making six figures and has at least a six inch cock. And I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> That's is that really kind of, the standard? Is that really the standard? I'm like, I, it I, I also feels kind of true. I felt better after that. Honestly, I felt better after that. Kind of true. Does it matter um, that I'm 100 pounds overweight as well? Anyways, no, that's not part of the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, that's not part of the algorithm at all. Um, so it's been a wild week in news and politics, and we have a very stacked edition to kick us off of something that we like to call cancel corner it should be uh, the cancel episode actually jesus it, christ it really should so we're gonna go through these dense motherfuckers one at a time and we're gonna kick off with one that i have taken no pleasure in seeing go down this dark and destructive road and that is our good friend america's sweetheart drew barrymore Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yes, and, yes. By the way, we canted this morning, oh, right? No, no, no. Well, that's, this, is, this is the journey, right? Okay, so, here we go. So this is the journey. This was Drew's first statement. To be clear, our talk show actually wrapped on April 20th, so we never had to shut down the show. However, I am also making the choice to come back for the first time in this strike for our show that may have my name on it, but this is bigger than just me. Okay. Okay, Drew. Um, so that was the first statement that she made when she indicated that the Drew Barrymore show was going to return to air despite the fact that her writers are striking, despite the fact that one of her head writers has come out against this. And okay. shocker, she got slammed with people, celebrities and uh, the WGA and all these people, including myself, thinking like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, 
what in the world is going on in your brain to think that this is something you need to do? Then she released a video. And this is part of what she said in the video. I know there's just nothing I can do that will make this okay for those this is not okay with. I fully accept that. And the situation is complex, and it was never her intention to upset or hurt anyone. It's not who I am. I've been through so many ups and downs in my life, and this is one of them. Okay, for starters, maybe don't make yourself the victim. You're worth $125 million. Is that true? Yes. Like, okay. maybe don't make yourself the victim here, because you're clearly not. And though you may think this is something that you need to do, it does a lot of damage to the people who are out there actually starving, fighting for their, I don't know, fairness and equity. So, right, right. But so let me ask you a question. So I'm going to, and this is maybe an area where you and I disagree, but I need you to, what I'm asking actually, and I'm honestly asking is for you to educate me. How does both her, and in this case, there was also, what's his name? Um, We'll get to me. him. We'll get okay. to him. How does, how do these talk shows going back on the air harm the writers if they're not, if they're not oh. using that content, meaning they're not going to have the content in the show that those writers used to write, but they're still running the show. Is it because it allows the production companies to make money still? Yes. Thus lowering yes. the pain? Okay, got Absolutely. It. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. If you've got these networks and these studios that are getting these shows back on the air, like, it directly affects their revenue. It directly delays probably their ability in some extent to want to resolve the strike. Like it's just, you know, it's really no more. It's like, it's just classic scabism. That's, okay, so that's quick, really me, all it let me, is. Let me, let me take it another step then. So recently all of the late night guys, where was it? All of them. I, again, yeah. help me. They started doing a podcast, right? So if she had done a podcast instead, that would have been okay for you. Well, absolutely, because the podcast doesn't benefit the studios. Yeah, but like doesn't it reduce the sting of not having content to the end users, thus somewhat blunting? Not very much. No, no, no. It's not about content to the end users. It's about benefiting these companies. It's about specifically okay, cool. the podcast that those late night does not benefit a single studio or company. It's right. all no, on I, their I, own. I don't disagree it's with you. all I don't on disagree their own. They're doing it to raise money for their staff, which is what she could have done. Like yeah. she could have done something to raise money for her striking writers. She could have just paid their salaries, which so many late night hosts are already doing. She sure. chose to do neither of those things and decided to go back on the air, which when you've got writers who work for you, who are literally striking and like fighting for their existences to bring your show back on the air is about the most tone deaf thing someone could do. So I appreciate that. I, I I was just I'm trying to uh, look. To be fair, I I if I was if I was Iger, I would have just paid. So I'm clearly not in the space of sure. any of these people, right? Also, I think that from everything that I've heard, that I agree with the writers, I agree with the actors, I agree. Frankly, I agree with everybody striking in this country right now. Yeah. Um. And so I get that part too. So okay, cool. Keep please keep going. I'm sorry. I well, no, no, no. We're finally we're we're finally at to today's developments in which she said, "I have listened to everyone, and I am making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to ev anyone I have hurt, and of course to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really tried to find our way forward, and I truly hope for a resolution for the entire industry very soon, and that should be the end of it. 
She did well, the right it's thing. It's probably not going to be the end of it. You well, know what she's probably she, going to do? She's probably going to pay those people. Well, well, no, no, I know. But what I'm saying is that it should be the end of it in terms of as far as we go. She Fair. apologized. She did the right thing. There's no need for all of the like, oh, too late, not soon enough. No, it is per. It was not too late. Okay. It is perfectly okay. She listened to people. She she went a bad way. She listened to people. She made the right decision. Drew Barrymore, you're okay in my book, right? Like you're right. done. It's done. <clears throat> Our long national nightmare is over. But there are going to be people out there who are that's not going to be good enough for them. And now they're going to want to tear her down even more. And I'm like, no, I don't think Drew Marymore is a bad person. I no. think she probably had legitimate reasons in her own mind why she wanted to bring the show back. And right. she got educated and she changed her mind. Period. Okay, good. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we're good with somebody. So have you seen people um, taking her down? I haven't checked today because she just announced this today. And so I haven't really been looking around. But um, I, you know there are. It's Twitter. You know, you know these fuckers funny. are going to be you, out there doing you, it. You know what's funny is I had this in in '92 when I did my when I first did uh, Landmark, the cult that you don't like, although it's right. not a cult. The person that was in my yeah. the person that was in my focus group was the director Cat Shea from Poison Ivy. Oh yeah, and man, I really feel for for Barrymore because of the conversations I had with her because obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, the the context of Landmark is to be you know open and. Man, uh, uh, what a difficult time she had when she was a child actor. And I really, yeah. I felt, I always, like, I, I, you know what, I feel protective of her. I know that's weird since I'm old and she's as old. But that, in particular, I feel like that's a person that, whose life could have gone terribly wrong. Right. Who has pulled it up and made something. I'm not saying that she hasn't been cringe. I'm not saying she hasn't done other stupid shit. Oh, sure. But man. You know, I, I got, well, I got, I got protection towards her. I don't know why. Well, no, that's okay because look, she does seem like a genuinely nice person. I think that's why everybody was so shocked by this because this seemed like something. This did not seem like something Drew Barrymore would do, right? Right. Like, it just came out of left field. But I think part of it is, is maybe sometimes she's just a bit too earnest and she goes down the wrong road. Um, but I'm okay she learned. I'm, I'm okay she with her earnestness. Right? Look, yeah. she learns. She learned. She took it back. She's moving forward. Drew's okay. Like, let's leave Drew alone now. Uh, who we can who we can dogpile on is Bill fucking Marr. <laughs> who, by the who, way, has a podcast that well, makes money. That makes a lot has, of money. Oh yeah, who has a podcast who makes money, who clearly has has said in interviews, you can if you listen to him talk about this issue in interviews, he is clearly not someone who is the champion of the working man because he's been on record as saying that writers were never uh, promised the ability to earn a living. And I was, and it was just like such a, to I mean, on one I mean, hand, I, he's I a know what, so it's not I know, I know, but it's like, so it's clear that he was going to bring his show back. And like, the only thing I hope for him is that he starts his show and everybody just boos him till he can't, can't even get a word out. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. And, and I'm someone, would you think his show's going to get packed with like writers and stuff? And they're going to say, because I'll tell you this, I actually I've actually always liked Bill Maher. I've always watched his shows. I watch Politically Incorrect. I watch Real Time. I have noticed, like a lot of people, that the last few years since Trump, he has started edging more and more, I guess, libertarian than he even was before. Like, yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah, he, no, he he's has. taking some really problematic stances on some issues, which is his right to do. It certainly hasn't made me not listen to him or not watch his show. I mean, I'm not going to watch his show if he's doing it during the writer strike. Fuck no. He can go sit and spin. But um, 
but it's not a shock that he would do this. I, I think it's just one of those things of like, at what point does he do something? Because Fillmore's always doing shit like this. At what point does he does something that there's no coming back from, right? Because yeah. he's been doing this shit for decades and years, and it never really seems to affect his platform or his or his, you know, or his fans. And maybe it never will, and that's totally fine. But like, at what point is he going to do something that there just is no coming back from? And then Bill Maher is just not Bill Maher anymore. I mean, we'll see. I think that the the thing that you're seeing with Bill Maher is a lot of times when people get older, they the, two things happen. They become more conservative right. and they give less of a fuck about what comes out of their mouth. That's just the truth. Yeah. And I, I, I look, I'm not going to I I disagree with his decision to come back because his show, in my mind, is way more like that. That could that could. That that could be not only a thing that bolsters the producer side of things, the 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 the, the company side of things, but it could hurt those on the other side. And yeah. Bill Maher is a hundred millionaire or more, right? Like, oh, I mean, oh not, he's he's yeah. a very well he's a very wealthy man. So like he could have he could have kicked he could have kicked down for a year's worth of pay to his entire absolutely. staff and supported them. And by the way, come out of this richer. More saleable, but to be fair, if he legitimately feels the way he does, I think he has a right to do that as well as have. Look, I'm going to say it: you have a right to be a scab. I don't sure. agree with it, but sure you have a right to do it. And um, but you've also then you've also then when the consequences come, don't yeah. be a bitch about yeah. it. And, and right? don't say you're pro union anymore either. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't say you're pro union <laughs> and don't be a bitch about it. Don't do the whole "woe is me" thing. Like right. you you brought it on yourself. Like. Yeah. And he knows the difference between right and wrong. He knows what he's doing is wrong. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's he, not stupid. He yeah, it. he's not no, stupid. No. He knows what he's doing is wrong, and he doesn't care, and that's his prerogative. Like, you don't have to care about union issues. It's not a requirement in this country, clearly. So you don't have to clear it, but then you just don't get to call yourself, like, a true I, liberal, yeah, which is what he I, always yeah, calls himself. He's, he's a, a true, true liberal. liberal. Yeah. No, a true liberal would never, ever bring their show back in the middle of a strike. Right, right. They would. They, a true liberal would try to uh, come at it from the frame. And see, here's the thing. I think that this is where he's broken. Honestly, I think he's coming at it from the frame of his employees who were being hurt. And I don't. So where the disconnect is for me is I don't know how he's not coming up with the idea that he's just going to pay him especially with the money he has, why wouldn't you just pay them? Respectfully, yeah. you're, how old is he? 60 what? Is he, he's, he's in his 60s. 60s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's in his 60s. You, you, you might last 25 more years if you're lucky. Yeah. The money you got's going to cover that shit. Pay the shit off. Well, so, I think part I guess, yeah, that's where I'm going to cancel him on this is I think that where he's, where he's jacking himself off is he's saying he's doing it for the rest of his employees. Where he's fucked up is he's not just doing it himself. That's what I'm going to assert on. Well, that's, that is the thing. Like, I have no doubt. I think that's probably why Drew Barrymore was doing it too, right? right? She wants right. to make sure her her below-the-line workers are, are able to earn a living because they are struggling. I'm not going to pretend like this strike isn't really crushing them because it is. But the solutions that you have before coming back to the air are numerous, especially yeah, when you have that kind of money. It's similar to, like, what just happened in Hawaii with Oprah. Oprah – Oprah owns all this fucking land there, and she's asking regular people to donate to help people out. I'm like, why don't you take care of it? You've got more money well, than she fucking- is. She is. She's only she, well, at least ten million is, of her own she money. She is now. 
She is Do you, now. Are you saying that it was in response? My understanding was it should already put in 10 mil and was asking for more. Is that not accurate? I Maybe it is, but then put up 20 mil, Oprah. Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm okay I'm with sorry. a hyper rich like, person putting up 10 million and then saying, hey, can y'all throw in whatever you have to spare? That's fair to ask, right? That's fair to ask, but it's also fair to look at the optics of the fact that you have an 800-acre compound that did not get a blemish on it from the wildfires. Entire community is destroyed, and the fact that you're asking anybody who is struggling in the economy right now to donate money when you are that enormous of a presence is right. kind of like like why not go to some of your friends in the court in like business and get them to donate 10 million each why go to the right. american people who are struggling and ask them to fund your like that just i just find i don't find it like i don't think oprah's a bad person i never have i just think it's tone deaf i think it's really tone deaf it's an issue of a very wealthy person who maybe has forgotten what it's like to not be wealthy and right right and, and honestly um, I'll take it this way a little bit. I don't want to get too crazy with it. I know that you're comfortable enough and I know that I'm comfortable, comfortable enough and we're not rich, right? Yeah. Yeah. That the concept that I had a hundred million sitting in the bank over there and I'm not dropping one or two for the people that helped bring me there is yeah. ridiculous because Agreed. I know with what I have, the comfort that I live in, uh, how about this? It's funny because someone pointed out that uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There's uh, someone pointed out the difference between the hyper rich and people at our level is very little now. Sure, there's yeah. some people that live in huge houses, but yeah. like Mitt Romney just talked about the lifestyle he was living in Washington, and it was like you know, yeah. it was like every other. Yeah, mid sixties uh, into his seventies, old guy who's been working all his life. He sits, he watches TV every night, and he has fish every night. I mean, that's yeah. the same lifestyle in a one room place. Yeah. That's the same lifestyle a lot. Lifestyle a lot of people leave, and it's comfortable when you don't have to be concerned about where you're living tomorrow. Right? Exactly. That's the comfort level exactly. I'm talking about. And to and for for Bill and for uh, you, you know for everybody to bring these people just to that level. Just make it so that they're not worried about where they're going to live tomorrow. You, I, I totally get everybody getting trouble for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, so then uh, – so this brings us to something that we talked about last week. And boy, has it been a whirlwind for Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. Yeah. Uh, Mila Kunis. So, My God. So they send those letters in support of Danny Masterson. They get a shit yeah. ton of blowback for it. They release yeah, as this, they should. They, they release this very generic – and weird and unapologetic apology video, which gets just as much scrutiny. Shocker. Drew Barrymore right. should have learned before she put hers out. And right. then now they both resigned from the uh, child sex abuse organization that he actually co-founded called Thorn. They both just resigned from it because of the heat that they've gotten. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. The victim, Maybe they the, victim, the victim statements from that shit are horrible. And yep. Last week we had there was some conversation about Scientology in there. Scientology is absolutely one hundred percent at the center of yeah. this horseshit. And what's crazy is is you got Yashar Ali, that dude working with Leah, Rem Leah Remini, now yeah. to expose the second, third, and fourth level staff at Scientology. They're begging them to sue. I mean, to be fair. One of the things that I'm surprised about is that Scientology is even still standing at this yeah. point because yeah. they were so terrible in the 70s and 80s, even into the 90s. What's so crazy terrible. to me, 
What's crazy to me is that is that in 20, 30 years, when we see the history of Scientology, what's going to be remarkable is if we see that that organization was brought down by the co-star of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> like, like, I'm not kidding. Like, Leah right. Remini, like, God bless her. Like, I she mean, could not give one fuck. And she is no, hardballing it all the no, way to the end. And that's what's great, too, is like, you list, like, I have never once gotten the sense from her that she's doing this for publicity, that she's no. doing this for any reason other than she escaped a toxic place and wants to keep other people from having right. to experience what she experienced. And I'm like, right. that is about the noblest thing that someone can do. And the fact that she has made it her mission, I just think is amazing. I think it's right. amazing that she's made this her mission. Um, but Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, like they're not going to be canceled forever. Like no. they're going to be no. fine. But like, yeah, do I think Ashton Kutcher should be serving as chairman of the board for an organization that supports sex abuse victims when he basically just invalidated what they said in a like yeah. no, of course he shouldn't. Like yeah. you I mean, I mean you and I were wondering last week about how this went down, or at least I was. Um about like how do you get a conviction based on just the word of these two women? Like we 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 opined about that a little bit. Yeah. I'll tell you. The reason why is because they they commented then to both the police and the Scientology. And what it's actually been has been 20 years of them trying to get it into court. And yeah. I I the the line where Raperson, sorry, Masterson is in the room in the I Scientology. You, I see what you did there. Right, right. I see what you did there. He, he should be Raperson forever, because that's what he is, a yeah. dirtbag rapist. Okay. Yep. Because here's the thing. The judgment I have towards him is so much harsher because it wasn't like a whoops. Not that as if it was a whoops, it would be any better. But what makes it so much worse is he sat in the room where they confronted him and his friend oh, yeah. was with him. Yeah. And they laughed at her. Yep. Yep. They used the power of Scientology. They used the position that Scientology's in. If you go against Scientology, we take your whole family. And this happened to that woman. Yeah. Okay? And her family has supported Scientology over her, okay? Yeah. And then sat there and just smugly, yeah. like that, Scienti that Scientology smugness yep. that you see, that that, that, that shit-eating grin bullshit that they all yeah. fucking do to people, and that you did it in app. Like, honestly, yeah. honestly, I, I am so happy Masterson's going to go yeah. to jail, and I really, really need someone to make Masterson his, their fucking girlfriend yeah. in jail. Seriously, Look, fuck off. It's terrible. It's terrible what they did to that woman. It's terrible what Scientology. So th yeah. there is someone. I'm going to say it. We've never done this in, in Cancel Corner. Scientology is what needs to be canceled in this fuck, in this fuck hole shit, whole yeah. story. Because the reason why Masterson was able to rape was because of Scientology. That's my assertion. That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely was. And look, I was already like, send the motherfucker to jail. But once I read about the accounts of them sitting there laughing, I was like, okay, you can die in jail and that'll be right. okay. Now I want you to be hurt. Yeah. I know that now, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I want to say that I get that that's terrible what I'm saying. But my God, like if someone, if that guy had done that to my daughter, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to work. I'm going to work to make that in. Yeah. Because yeah. that's bullshit. Like, what, yeah. like I'm angry for her. Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, I might fuck with Masterson if I saw him in person now. I don't usually do that. I'm not usually one of those guys that'll go up. Like, I don't care. Not only do I not star fuck, I don't do the opposite, where I try to seek out or even think about seeking out people who have fame if they fucked up. But in this one case, that guy's a monster. 
He is yeah. a monster. And really, because what he's done is he weaponized the rape afterwards. It's yeah. great. But Maybe, also, sorry. but the is also there's like how many more times would he have done this if he is not going to jail? We have no way more, of knowing. No, no. How many more times has he done yeah. it that we don't know about? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's the scary part. And it's like anybody out there being like, oh, but he's a good guy. I'm like, these things are not adding up. <laughs> you're you're well, not no, a good, no, no. you're not a good guy. And then just cavalierly raping people. That's right, not- right. What, what, what it looks like is he's had two lives. He had his life over here. Yep. Which he kept pretty, which he kept clean, where he was a good guy. Can't, where he can't was nudge, gentle nudge people. Bill Cosby. Right, exactly right. And then had this secret space where he just let his whatever his I can't even I can't even I can't even find a word for his desires. I, I like I want to get like cheese ball and old school, his evil desires. You know, like it's yeah. like but literally evil yeah. over here. Yeah. Where he's gonna fucking take what he wants and part of to me, it had a sense of that was part of it for him. The fact that she wasn't going to get out of it. The fact that she couldn't do anything about it. And and really, again, that's Scientology there, right? Yeah. Because in Scientology, his family was royalty. He is royalty within Scientology. In other words, he's he, he's he's he can't be. You can't question Masterson yeah. in Scientology. Much like many of the other. Uh, Frontal, you know, sort of face frontal stars of Scientology. Thing and is Tom Cruise ain't out there just raping people. He's jumping off planes and and falling off cliffs and like he's found a positive way to exercise his 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 energy. Right, right. His, yeah, his risk seeking involves yep. himself and other things in his life. So I'm okay with that. The fact that he's a weirdo, the fact that he jumped on the couch with Oprah, shit, I wish that was the worst thing I'd seen about Scientology. Instead, what you're seeing is, and what you got to question is, not only is this an issue with Masterson, but let's get back with David Miscaviage, the guy that runs Scientology now, and let's ask once again, like Leigh Remini has, where's his wife? She's literally you, been missing for like 11 you, or 12 years. You would think that that would actually be a big deal to some degree. So it's either it's either two, one of two situations, either that secretly everybody knows where she is or that she just buried somewhere. Well, here's what the here's what the sad truth is. She's probably in a room someplace and there are people that have left Scientology that have discussed this that there are there are in this case there there are properties where people who are who are being disciplined live their whole lives. Yeah. Living like in boxes and not, not literal boxes, but in yeah. rooms where they're, they're beaten sometimes where they, you know, it's crazy. And, and, and to be fair, I'm going to bet you that when she finally shows her face, she's going to be okay with where she's at. But I would assert that maybe you want to get her out of there because she might've been psychologically abused. Maybe. Yeah. Into that space. Or, and that's, she, I just, think what, or she just but, did. Or she just did. Well, so she did appear to the LAPD supposedly a few years ago, but I don't know if that if that actually happened because that particular uh, LAPD employee, I believe it was a sergeant or a lieutenant, has done a lot of, uh, you know, he's a friend to Scientology, right? Yeah. So you can't really trust him. Someone needs to step up and find out where that dude's wife is, uh, the, the leader of Scientology. And I think that that's where the string unravels for the rest of the organization. <laughs> Well, moving on to uh, one that gives me no pleasure, but also really makes yeah, me does. angry. And this is Hassan Minhaj. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yes. H- Hassan Minhaj is uh, a comedian. I've always been a big fan of his. I Not only because I think he's 
you know, hot. Uh, but also, he's just really funny, and he's always been really funny. And it, I, right. the New Yorker released kind of a bombshell article on him recently about how a lot of his stand-up is fabricated. And I'm going to give a couple examples, because he came out, and this is what infuriates me to no end. He came out with this explanation of it where he was like, well, they're my emotional truths. So let's let's just let's, let's just cover this for a second. So I'm yeah. just gonna one story Minaj told in the King's Jester related to an envelope with white powder that was sent to his home. Naturally, he thought the powder was anthrax. According to the comedian in the special, the powder accidentally spilled onto his daughter, and she was rushed to the hospital. The doctor told him it was not anthrax. Later that night, he said his wife told him, you get to say whatever you want on stage and you have to live with the consequences. I don't give a shit that Time Magazine thinks you're an influencer. If you ever put my kids in danger again, I will leave you in a second. Didn't happen. Right. Didn't That's happen. Terrible. That's pretty terrible. Didn't happen. He got a letter. He jokingly said to his wife, ooh, what if it's anthrax? And he turned that into his daughter getting rushed to the hospital because she had been exposed to anthrax. Um, secondly. Minaj talks about an FBI informant who infiltrated his family's mosque in the Sacramento area. The informant right. named Brother Eric was a white man who said he was a convert to Islam. Minaj said Brother Eric tried to get the men of the congregation to talk about jihad, and he messed with Brother Eric by saying he was applying to get his pilot's license. The police allegedly <laughs> showed up and slammed Minaj under the hood of his car. Didn't happen. Right. And you and know what's, what, inter you, what's interesting about that story is there is a story about that that actually did happen with the FBI that was actually a great – there's a great podcast series. Let me shit if I know the name of it. And the thing that's crazy is is I think he took that podcast story or that storyline and just adopted it. But keep well, going, and you sorry. know where it came from? He was playing pickup basketball with his friends, and there were some guys playing with them that they thought were cops, and one of them, like, fouled him. And that's where that story came from. So – his emotional truth is getting fouled in a basketball game equates to police abuse. Right. Like, I'm sorry, dude. And then he came out with this whole, like, well, this is what he said. No, I don't think I'm manipulating the audience. I think they're coming for the emotional roller coaster ride to the people that are like, yo, this is way too crazy to happen. I don't care because, yes, fuck, that's the point. No, you no. don't present the you present these as situations that actually fucking happen to you. They right. didn't happen to you. You're a fucking liar. Right, and by the I'm way, sorry. he could he could have made jokes about the real stories that were similar to what he was discussing. There, he could have, and instead, like, wow. he he made it about himself. To be honest, look, the comedians discussing their authentic life experiences is one of the great angles of comedy, and he just lied. No, like it was well, this is the best honesty. Part. The New and big credit to the New York, uh, the New York reporter. But uh, he said that his stories are all grounded in truth, and their response was, "But it didn't happen to you, right?" <laughs> and it's right. like, I'm sorry. Like I understand that comedians will fabricate and embellish things. That's part of comedy. I, I don't, I don't listen to every single thing a comedian says. Like I don't watch a Pete Holmes set and think, "Well, a hundred percent of that is true." But I right. sure, I certainly don't expect that they are fabricating stories that a make them seem like a victim and make another group seem dangerous. Like, right. Like if you weren't abused, like there are plenty of actual people out there who have been abused by the police. Do you think lying about being abused by the police does them any respect or right. any courtesy? Right. And because here's like, the thing, right. And, and I'll tell you right now, one of the sad things that's happening right now 
is a lot of the conversations that were had around some of the most incendiary social conversations happening right now, right? There's the guy, uh, I think it's, uh, it was, is this Eric Stewart in Florida. The, uh, he was a, uh, a professor who was one of the criminologists who, um, had, had discussed systemic racism, right? In policing. And yeah, it's Eric Stewart. And it's come out that his six biggest, um, studies either faked or have no real data. And why that's important is we all know because we've seen episodes of systemic racism. Yeah. And now one of the biggest, you know, professor, one of the biggest professors who supposedly had proven it, turns out most of his better articles, most of his most important articles are fake. And yeah. This is like that. Yeah. If you had an authentic experience of racism, or culturalism against you. It's important for it to get out in society so that we can examine it. Yeah. But if you're making shit up, all you're yeah. doing is yeah. adding to the mud. It's not real. You weren't you weren't attacked for your well, race. Here's the, here's you an weren't example. attacked for your culture. Here's idiot. an example. Let's say someone from a publication or a reporter is doing an article on people who've been abused by the police, and they don't talk to X, Y, and Z because they want to talk to Hassan Minhaj because he was abused by the police. Right. Do you not understand how wicked and wrong that is? Right. Like, right. Like, and also, like, this whole emotional truth bullshit, which I am so tired of hearing people talk about. My fucking truth. My emotional truth. You I know what? Experience, Ben. How about this? There was a woman a few years ago, a few years ago, named Rachel Dolezal, and she got into a lot of trouble because she was a. I'm sorry, because she was a white woman who pretended to be black. But you know what? Right. She just kept saying. That's my truth. My lived experience. That's my yeah. experience, yeah. my truth. And I'm like, yeah. why is her truth any different than anybody else's fucking emotional truth if that's the game we're playing? Like, it's why ridiculous. is it any different? No, like, ridiculous. if anybody it can is. just say that that's my emotional truth, it's like, it's just such nonsense. Like, no, like, it's fake news, motherfucker. It is fake yeah. news. Right. And it's, like, it, Rachel Dolezal oh. is not a black woman. You did not have the life of a black woman. No. You, 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 the fact is, is that black women have no choice about exactly. being black women. Exactly. So in the oh. case, just like you said with Minaj, the people that were actually discriminated against, that were actually targeted by FBI, by others, they had no choice. They didn't show up. And by the way, how about this? Not only did they have no choice, they didn't make a lot of money off it as a yeah. comedian. It's just yeah. fucking so it is it's terrible in multiple ways, like you're pointing out. And it's just such a bummer because I, I have been a fan of his and like he's in he's in the running still to be the new host of the Daily Show. And I'm like, I hope he loses that job just because of this. Right. Like and I don't like I don't like I actually to be fair, haven't been a big fan of his. Um it's not that I don't it's not that I don't think he's funny. I just he never resonated with me. And uh I'm now uh jacking myself off going, That's because I knew it was fake. No, I didn't know that it was fake. Um, but I just never, and then, but to be, and, and actually, so that's why I was less upset about it than you, because it wasn't such a, I'm like, eh, idiot. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind of my, my, my feeling about it. But, um, I think that it's good to see him get caught for this. Cause I hope that others aren't doing it. And an example of that is, you know, it's funny cause this also happens a lot in comedy. The comedians who would steal other comedians material is, is bad, but it's not even as bad as this. And in comedy, if you're stealing other people's material, you're persona non grata. Right? Oh, you're Carlos Mencia. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. When it's, dude, when yeah. Rogan finally took Mencia down and that video went up, yep. Mencia was done. Oh yeah. Minaj, I argue that Minaj should be just as done as Mencia, meaning not that he's not going to get work, but that yeah. he's not going to be as popular and it's going to be a stain on his career the rest of his life. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so segueing into something that is still partially in cancel corner, but partially into the political sphere we're diving into. Here we um, go. I've been waiting for all week to talk about Lauren Boebert. Yeah. Um, who was unceremoniously kicked out of a Colorado production of Beetlejuice the musical because <laughs> she was being loud and dancing and vaping in the theater. And right. then she came out and said, I was not vaping. She was so incendiary and so like, of course I'm not vaping, blah, blah, blah. Shocker, there's a video that clearly shows her vaping. And let's be clear, coming from someone who is a die like like a deep theater person, someone who understands theater in my bones, to see a video of her setting in like the 20th row of the theater and talking about how it's the fucking fog machine that people were thinking is her vaping, I'm like, bitch, you don't even understand the fog machine. Like, that ain't the way they work. Well, but you know, so okay. First off, let me be clear. I don't use the word. Here. I don't like using, and I don't use the word "bitch" often unless it's very appropriate, and it is appropriate here. Well, so so look, and 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 again, since you always admit this, we're at a spot now where I have to admit something terrible, <laughs> and that is, I went out with a a lot of women that were like Bobert, not as girlfriends, right? Because you never make those women your girlfriends, but I am sadly and terribly attracted to her on some level you know it's Ugh. funny because i got married to a woman that isn't like that and in fact one of the biggest concerns i had when i was dating my wife at first is will i be okay with her because she's not this crazy person just throwing it out there like that so bobert is and so Look, it's terrible if is, i can I'm, if i if i can hate fuck vivek ramaswani you can hate fuck lauren bobert it's it, i but, give you that and, and to be fair i act so look here's what's funny is it wasn't just bobert right you had bobert you had Susanna Gibson, who's that Virginia House, uh, who's running for a Virginia House seat, who yeah. her her online, I think it was an OnlyFans account, maybe it was another service, but she was having sex with her husband online for money. And that's been weaponized by the Republican in the in or at least the Republican Party in Virginia. You also, for me in Burbank, you had Constantine Anthony, the mayor of Burbank, video of him being spanked by a drag queen at a political event. Uh, it was shared by uh, Libs of TikTok. And then to watch his response to it, for me, as someone who lives in Burbank, where people are calling Burbank Burspank, people are calling him Mayor Spanky, it was hilarious for me. But one of the things that all of these situations highlight for me is I personally don't care about any of these people's sex lives. That being said, one of the things that's hit me as I've gotten older and as, to be honest, as we've done this podcast is this, I now realize the biggest problem I have with polarized people in every party. And that is this, that when you ultimately become the mayor, the supervisor, the governor, the president, you are the governor, the president, the mayor of everybody. Yeah. In the town. Exactly. And everybody's opinion then matters. So look, if you're going to go out there and act in a way that might offend 
maybe even half or close to half of the people that you're representing, that's on you because you're putting yourself out there to be voted for by these people. And so for Boebert, her biggest problem is the hypocrisy of how she tries to lay it out there. Like she's some Christian, like she's some religious person. She's a grandmother at 36 because she had a child, very young, nothing wrong with that. Sure. And then that child had a daughter, very young. All good, but don't pretend like they're, like you're some paragon of old school American values. It's bullshit. You are what you are. You're a little bit of a fucking wild side chick, right? You go out, you smoked up at a fucking play. You then engaged in mutual uh, rub and tug with a guy, which, by the way, even more hypocritical, is a guy that owns a bar that purports to be LGBTQ yeah. positive and sponsors... A, a drag, drag queen yeah. night. Yeah. Like, I, and by the way, I don't say that she's a bad person for associating with this guy. I'm saying she's a bad person because she pretends in her political exactly. life to be against these things. And that's where she's allowed, where you're allowed to attack her. Do I think she's wrong for getting felt up there? I could not give one fuck. I think she's wrong because she pretends that she's not that person and then goes well, out and gets fucking voted. Well, I'll say, I'll say a couple things. We have a word for someone like, uh, like her and where I come from and it's called, she just trash. She just pure trash and delicious, and, delicious and, trash. Oh, though. just trash. Look, look, look. Um, what's so crazy mm. is that my fury comes from a place of theater etiquette. <laughs> the fact that her ignorant ass thinks that you should be talking and fucking like dancing with your hands in the air. The fact that you should be vaping in a live theater performance. And the worst part, is that a woman who was pregnant asked her to please stop vaping, and she said nasty things to was her. That, was that the woman directly behind her? Yes, who was, and, and she said like you must, or like you're a you must be a miserable person or something. And I'm like, you're a mother, like you've been pregnant, like, and and that's your response to a woman. How many who babies does she have? She has like four kids. Am I crazy? I think so. Yeah, like in a public space, I'm like. And, and so, like, to me, an apology doesn't cut it because, like, you're also, do you know who I am? Flipping people off. And I'm like, the way bitch, out, yeah. I'm like, bitch, you barely won re-election. No, they don't know who you are. Yeah, by no, like 400 like, votes. She yeah. won by 400 or something votes. Here's like, what's funny is if you look at the later videos of her being escorted out, the people that were behind her have left. So yeah. she's driven them from the place. Yeah. And so, and, and even though there are plays where they encourage participation by the crowd. This wasn't one of them. Beetlejuice so what are you ain't doing? one of them. And participation never includes vaping. Well, but I mean, to be fair, years ago, you used to be able to smoke in the theater, right? Well, that's it's years just ago, Eric. It's just that's change. years ago. Yes, yes. I'm, not, I, I I'm not saying you, that I, I'm saying that I agree with you, vaping. I'm I saying guarantee it's, you, it's just not that big of a deal. There are signs everywhere in that theater telling her that she should not be doing that. Right. No, Guaranteed. I I must say, so like, I can't is, defend her. So I cannot no defend excuse. her for her actions. I don't also give a shit really much about her actions. But and then, by the way, lastly, and we're just we're just like running over right now. It is honestly very odd that they have that level of surveillance ability in that building. Oh my God, <laughs> it's so clear. I mean, that it's it's super clear. It's very right? clear. Like and you I'm literally like, see every minute of it, and I'm like, I the fact like that her, there's no question, yeah, the fact that her dumb ass just lying 
like knowingly just lying through her teeth and like forgets that like, oh yeah, it's 2023. We have these things called cameras. Right. Right. I'm like, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you something about all the people that I mentioned, Susanna Gibson, Constantine, Anthony, Lauren Berbert, anybody that's going to have this issue, whether you like it or not, people are allowed to consider this when they go to revote for you or vote you back in or decide not to vote for you. And it's not even being canceled because again, it's if being you held report, accountable. You're being held accountable. Exactly. And if you're going to put yourself up as a representative of all the people, all the people get to comment about you. And that's something I think that people forget. Like, here's the thing. Obama never engaged in this type of behavior as a president, as a senator, or as an organizer previous to that. He was absolutely living the life he purported to be living, which is why everybody loved him. You tried to crawl up his ass. The worst shit you could find is he's wearing a tan suit and he yeah. might have smoked pot and done coke in college. Big fucking deal. And so now what's crazy about now is you got Lauren. And I'm sorry, but again, as much as I don't care, respectfully, as much as I'm attracted to her, which is also terrible, it's just terrible. She's an idiot. And she's now, I think, a, just an un... Just a, rec- just a recalcitrant hip, hip, you know, hypocrite. It's just terrible. And um, I hope that uh, her, uh, I hope that the Democrat running against her wins. Can't remember his name. I've even given him money and I can't remember his name. Well, and, and just to put a cap on this, you've got all of these people with all of these high moral values doing all of these things. And then you've got Mike Pence who says, oh, I'll choose a, I could choose a woman as my running mate, but I can just never be alone in the room with her. Then you've got so, Pence, who's like so, so afraid weird. of being alone in a room because of a promise he he's made so to his wife weird, that 40 guy. years ago. I'm like, you're the weirdest guy in the fucking world, dude. Yeah, like, dude. come on. Like, Talk about telling on. on yourself. He's telling on himself every time he does that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be right back. So stick around. New Orleans 2012. Bruce Cachera drove to an address someone had given him that didn't exist. Standing in the parking lot where the address should have been, he was shot and killed. Questions around his murder have been met with silence. But this story is about more than violent crime. It's about motive and a series of events that have never been fully investigated until now. Binge Counterclock, Season 5. We are back with the second half of Center Clueless. Uh, that was a roller coaster getting through all of those people name by name, but we're moving into Jesus. an area that does connect back to stuff we've already talked about this episode. And it's kind of the last couple of years, there has definitely been a sort of resurgence of union values in this country since the right. pandemic. We're seeing it now with the with the strike in Hollywood with the uh, auto workers union, which is now also getting embroiled in sort of a battle with the big three. And, uh, and you, you know, you're every, it feels like every other week you're hearing about this new organization that's unionizing. And like, it's just been a big resurgence since the pandemic and which makes sense, right? It makes sense. There's usually always a big resurgence in unions after big sort of like earth shattering events and you don't get more right. earth shattering than COVID. And I'm, you know, I'm super, I'm, I'm certainly pro union. I am a true liberal in that way. Unlike Bill Maher. Uh, I think unions are vital. And I think if we didn't have unions, this world would be way more fucked than it is right now. 
And I think there are exceptions, right? Like, I don't know that I, I certainly don't always agree with the teachers unions. I think that they can sometimes do as much bad as they do good. Right. And sometimes they even do more bad than they do good. But what's shocking to me, maybe more about anything, is this auto workers thing, which is like, it wasn't that long ago when we all collectively just bailed out the auto companies. Right. Because if we as, didn't. As a country, yeah. Yeah, as a country. Because if we didn't, they were going to go down and that was going to be catastrophic for the economy. And so we collectively bailed them out. I bailed them out. You bailed them out. Everybody listening to this podcast bailed them out. For the most and part. Yeah. For the most part. And now, you know, the auto workers are asking for a 40% increase in salary over three years, which is commiserate with what the executives are making. The executives yeah. saw like a 36% or something yes. Uh, yes. growth. We've got one of them making like $29 million a year. And like, that's why they're asking for it. And yes, I think if an executive is making that kind of a raise in a single year, the auto worker should absolutely be seeing similar raises. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. if you don't want them to get a 40% raise, then only give your executive a 5% raise. How about right. that? Yeah. Like, no, no, that no. I mean, it's, it's, it's completely insane because there, there are so many metrics to look at here. The other metric is the amount of, you know, when you, when you, when you look at, look at the, the top paid person, which is the CEO and the multiples of their money that it is of their you know, their lowest paid worker. It's in like four, was it four or 500 times more now? When in yeah. the old days, it used to be 30 or 40 times, right? So you're seeing this this mag, this huge increase for executive pay. And it's not fair to the auto workers. And the problem, they, so here, here's the real problem though, for all of the auto companies, is you got this goofy looking motherfucker, Sean Fain. Okay, goofy looking. He's a he's a. I never in a million years would have thought that this is going to be one of the leaders of our time. And if you have time, I want you to sit down, look up Sean Fain's speech, and just start watching. This guy is one hell of a leader, and he's not he's not coming at it like an anarchist or a socialist. He's coming at it like a unionist, yeah. and he is dangerous to the automakers because I, I watched a speech. I couldn't find it. We looked, I looked for it. I looked for it. He's done 5,000 speeches. But there was a, I was finished to one of his speeches, which by the time I got done listening to that one minute, I was ready to go to war. I was like, oh, yeah. Right? Like it was like, you know, it was, you know, it, it, it was, he's, a, an, a, dude, he's been the leader. He got voted in in January. Look where we are. Yeah. Dude, he's got, well, all of the people at all of the automakers fired up in a way that you haven't seen in 50 years. And here it comes. The automakers are going to pay. Just saying. The yeah. automakers are going to pay. If Sean Fain was in charge of the uh, of, of SAG-AFTRA, they'd already be done. Yeah. Iger, Iger would have had the break, and they'd be done. You're, the, the, I feel bad on some level for the automakers because I bet you they think they got a chance to hold this guy off, and they do not. That this guy, if he gets on, if 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 he starts making speeches to the American people, what's going to happen is, I bet you, if he said, "I want the American people to stand with this union to stop buying American-made cars," people would stop. Not everybody, yeah. But the problem they got is there's a leader, probably I think one of the leaders of our generation in Sean Fain. We'll see how it goes though. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's it it it's so obnoxious, and then but also going into the SAG after thing because you know the uh, we're we're now seeing a, a a slight paradigm shift here because you know Disney the Disney anime or the uh, Disney effects workers have now also announced that they're unionizing, which and they should. Well, they they should have for years now. Like yeah. the, the the animation departments of these studios are the most overworked people in the film industry. Like right. they are so overworked, and like it absolutely makes sense that they would be unionized. And I think you're going to start hearing of other groups uh, in the film industry that are going to start unionizing. And the best thing that could have happened during this strike is Taylor Swift. It is the best thing that could have happened because Taylor Swift came in and said, I'm not going to go through the studios. I'm not going to work with the studios. I'm going to make my own deal with the theater chains and make the, and make the studios obsolete for this. And like, and not only does it, but then the studios have to start scrambling because they're not opening their film against Taylor Swift. Of course not. It's already made like $60 million in pre-sales. Right. It's going to be fucking huge. Right. And the studios aren't going to see they're not going to they're not going to make a dime from it and they're going to lose money because of it. Right. Right. And that is the best thing that you could do and you know, I don't listen to Taylor Swift music. I've always thought she seems like a decent person. And so I right. always, I'm generally favorable towards her. This to me is like such a baller move. And it's such a great example of showing who has real power here. And it's not the fucking studio executives. No. It's not the executives who have the power. Taylor Swift has more power than any executive in Hollywood. So why, why, why is it this? So here's my question. With the with the with, well, it actually is with the with the with the writers and the actors striking now that yeah. you know now you know now the the effects workers. Um, why is it that those groups of people just don't bind together and do their own shit now? Just go. Well, that's the, that's the issue, right? And like I've been saying since day one, if one of these companies, and I always single out Amazon because I think Amazon is in the best position just from a a financial standpoint, like. If Amazon were to just break free of the AMTMP and say, you know what, we don't want to be involved in this trade association anymore. We're going to work directly with the unions. We're going to create our own deal. We're going to give them what they want. We're going right. to get up and running next week on new stuff. Right. The paradigm would totally shift. The AMTMP, the entire structure of that organization would collapse. Right. And then – and everybody would be better served for it. Everybody right. would be. Right. If a company like A24, which is a small player in the studio game, like they do. Yes, they do a lot of award stuff. They do a lot of amazing films. I know what you're they're saying. Still, they're volume wise. They're a small. But place. they're still a relatively small place. They stepped up instantly and said, we're going to make a deal with the studios. We're going to give you everything that you want. If they can do that, so can fucking Disney. Right. So, so they, why? And, See, what's weird to me is this. I feel like this is a personality thing. I think this is Iger. I think this is people's personalities at the top oh, I of think, that. I think it absolutely is. And so, and so what you're really getting is you're getting five or ten assholes making this decision. I mean, people, yeah. well, there's more than that many people at one organization. No, it's still one guy or one woman making this decision. I'm just saying. Yeah. It, Why don't we just in my mind, that? In my mind, it's Bob Iger and Ted Sarandos. It is Netflix well, no, and Disney. They need to do something about it. They need and, to stop. And here's the thing. And like the Iger thing, like Disney, I think Disney is in way over its head because they acquired 20, they acquired Fox 
which right. now they have. They have all of these fucking properties now. And I think what they're realizing is like having a lot of properties can be a great thing, but it can also be a fucking nightmare. And so that like they're looking to get rid of Nat Geo and FX and all of these other properties because they can't handle it all. Right. And like right. and like and so like they're in a they're in an inflection point. I think they've grown too big, too fast. And now they're starting to see the results and the consequences of that. And you want to add on a writer strike to it. And I'm sure Bob Iger is particularly concerned because they've added on all these costs and now they don't have any fucking revenue coming in. Like not like they were getting in. And like they just put out like they just put out this weekend is a good example. A Haunting in Venice. It's the new Hercule Poirot film. I went and saw it yesterday. I liked it a lot, but it just came out in theaters, right? It's projected to make 15 million dollars opening weekend. Like, which is nothing to come in at number one in the box office. Why is that? Because no one's allowed to fucking promote it. Like, no one can promote these films. And if if this this strike has taught us nothing, it's that, like, promotions are vital to a movie. If you don't have actors and filmmakers out there talking about it, like... Right, right. And then what's kind of weird for me is my understanding and my understanding and i'm sure that iger would disagree with me if he was sitting on the podcast with us is that they got the money to just say yes they absolutely did the just say yes What's, yes yes is it going to make money for you less money for you as a company over time of course it is but what you're getting right now is the reality is these people are part of your process and whether you like it or not where i think that these guys really don't get it and where to be honest the ai reality that's showing up in movies where you can cre- where you can create ai characters it's and you know this more than anybody in this podcast not that there's that many people but you get my point is i can see and have been able to see in the past where the magic is really between the actors on the set of course the stuff that just comes up magically at that moment and then it's just added Let's just do this, right? You know, and yeah. it, I mean, you, you you see actors talk about this when you're working with a great actor and they're doing sort of like that ad-libbing as the moment is going on, this, on, on the set. Um, you know, you see tons of like YouTube and TikToks of actors talking about other actors who are just geniuses while they're acting. And yeah. I think that guys like Iger don't get that. They actually think that without them, Nothing is created. And I think that what this moment is, is that the the producers are going to have to realize that without the actors, without the writers, without the directors, without the rest of the creative talent, they're nothing. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. they really even understood that. And it's weird, man. It's fucking well, weird. It's, it's very weird because it, 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 within the last week or so, it came out that because of the strike, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery had lost somewhere between 400 and $500 million, million yeah. which would have been enough to fund what? The unions are wanting for three years. What the unions wanted from them would have cost them fifty million. They've been lost ninety percent more than that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Out of the and it's like million. and it's like it's just ridiculous. It's like like that should be alone should tell you. And it's like it's that whole like, well, if we give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And it's like maybe maybe, maybe or maybe they'll take the inch and be really grateful for it. And grateful then for like for three years. For three yeah. years. And then they're gonna probably want another inch. Because right. you've grown three inches. And, like, and by the way, if you keep giving up inches or made it a policy to give that inch up first, what would happen is, is you would have people showing up for work with 0% in the way of being fully creative and fully ready to go. And let's be honest, right? 
if if you are able as a writer to sit, not only write the stuff that you're getting paid for, but maybe have a little extra to have time to work on those side projects that you might be working on, scripts that I know you have, scripts that have been sitting there for 10 fucking years oh, sure, that you work sure. on from time to time, that that's also where magic happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. And they, should, they should just support this. I mean, it's their business. And if they could still make profit, billions in profit as an industry, what's the difference? You're still making billions. What's the difference? Well, 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 they're stockholders. That's always like the stockholders. We owe it to the shareholders. We owe it to the stockholders. And it's like, you owe it to your fucking workers. Like, that's who you owe it to. Like, yes, well, you no, have they, a- they, they, Hold on. They owe it to the stockholders. But the no, problem no, is that they, your, saying- your decision has fucked the stockholders yeah. just as well. well. That's exactly it, though. That's, where that's exactly it. Like- Yes, you owe it to your stockholders. Everybody understands that. No one's saying that businesses shouldn't operate like businesses, right? Right. It's America. It's capitalism. But they go hand in hand. You can't fuck over your your workers and expect it to benefit the stockholders and vice versa. Like You've got to find a healthy middle ground. And that middle ground exists. It absolutely exists. That middle ground exists from this concept of reciprocity, okay? Look, if your business... If your business plan requires someone in that plan to be hurting, right? Like the bullshit that Iger said about people, about wanting people to suffer and the conversations about how, like, you know, like, like Mar said, where no one ever said that you had a right to make a living as a writer. That bullshit is yeah. like, if, if somewhere in your plan, you don't have reciprocity in place where everybody involved is able to make a living, you're fucking around. You're yeah. fucking around. And yes, I understand that that's not how business runs. I'm not talking about business. There's a way to make a profit and have yeah. having it be reciprocal so that everybody involved can make a profit and feed their kids and feed themselves and have a good life. And that's why it's bullshit. And this is what fuels, I'll assert this, this is what fuels the crazy people on the left when they say things like communism or any of the isms like that. It's all fueled by greedy motherfuckers like this. And so us who sit in the middle, welcome to Center Clueless, going, can we all just get along, make a little cash, eat, and have some fucking relaxation yeah. in our life? That's not crazy. And no, it's, look. I, it's Iger on one end being a douchebag, right? And to be fair, the, on the other side, it's not the workers striking, okay? The workers striking are asking for something that's legitimately theirs, which is a piece of the pie that they're baking, that they're they're the, they're the fruit in it, they're the ones baking it, they're they're the ones mixing it. Fuck you, Iger, and your bullshit. Anyway, yeah, sorry. no, abs- no, absolutely. And then, but and, but they're like there are also examples out there. Like there are a lot of like national companies. I'm looking at like just looking at the restaurant industry. Like looking at like In and Out Burger, right? Perfect example, right? They pay their employees better than almost any other chain. They give them flexible shifts. They have great benefits packages. Like they treat their employees well and their and their turnover right. is less. Look at something like Cisco. Cisco is like is has been known for the last 10 years as the best national company to work for because they right. treat their employees a certain way. And yes, it affects their profits, but it doesn't affect their profit so much that they still don't make enough for everybody to be happy, for right. everybody to be happy. And like if every company could just adopt that model and realize that you can still make profit, you can still have a robust business and treat your employees properly. There's yes. this idea that like, well, 
we give our employees more money, then um, then it, we're just it's gonna we're gonna shut down. It's gonna close us down. Like shut the like shut the fuck up, Taco Bell. Like like you're not <laughs> you're not shutting down because you give your employees a dollar an hour more. Like right. give, shut the fuck up. Like it's like this woe is me thing with the companies where it's like. It just drives me crazy. And like the studios are going to have to figure that out. And what we're seeing now, obviously is like the unions aren't budging. They're not budging. They're there's, they're holding their ground. They're going to stick it out. And the studios, the amount, the hit that they're going to take throughout this year, if they don't settle is going to be astronomical. Right. And as much of fucker fuckheads as they want to be as crazy as they want to be with these creative people. Right. What's going to happen yeah. is even if they get a deal, you know that the seed has been left in many of these people's heads to take a to take a strike back someday. Yeah, that what they've done is is they've created enemies, and they should they should cease doing that. And the way they yeah. can stop it is by simply giving. Honestly, my recommendation, although I'm some asshole <laughs> on a podcast over here, is just give them what they originally wanted and say. After careful, you know, in other words, do the mea culpa, right, that we've seen other people do so many times in the past. We've reconsidered. We decided to go ahead and give, you know, the, the actors, the writers, everything that they asked for, and we're going to move on and, and get back to business. Yeah. And hopefully the unions will agree. And the unions would agree, and they'd be back up working the next day. And really, Iger should move out of, Iger should be removed from Disney as well. That well, guy made comments. That guy made comments that you're never coming back from. You're the, never coming back from that. And the crazy thing is, is like he kept leaving, and then they kept bringing him back. Like he's left like two times in the past, and they keep bringing him back to like solve their bullshit. This time, however, he really put his foot in his mouth way too much. And like, because Bob Iger has always sort of been known as like he's always been sort of the favorite amongst like filmmakers. Like people up until now always liked Bob Iger. Bob right. Iger was like the filmmaker's friend. And now he's become just so entrenched in his well, position. Right, right. It, it, it like, was Iger that it was Iger that worked with Steve Jobs and Pixar, right? Yeah, it was Iger yeah. that funded that. And to be honest, that was a magic move on his part to bring in, to bring in Pixar and to get that done. And the money that they made, he, he, he he's not stupid entirely so no, not at all. i wish i wish he's a good Iger, businessman he's a I good wish business Iger would wake up and go wow uh you know what? i should back off of this yeah i i think i don't think it's i think there is still redemption for him if he were to be the guy right if he were to be the guy that said you know what you know what i've i've been reflecting i've done all this work i've been looking into everything and I think it's right that we give the writers what, like, he could still save himself, right? He could right. still redeem himself if he wanted to. He absolutely could. Ted Sarandos is never going to do that because, net, I, I, you know, this affects Netflix's model more than anybody else's. And so he yeah, is going to stay Netflix could still be popular. Netflix could still be po uh, uh, profitable if he did what they asked. Oh, sure. Sure he could. Sure he could. But, like. He seems to be to me like Netflix is probably the big holdout, right? Like Netflix to me is probably so the one. It's so crazy to me because they were such a disruptor at first. And what a fuckface well, you are from going from disruptor to asshole. It's just yeah. crazy. Yo, yo, you were a disruptor. And let's be honest, for years people were on Netflix side as they battled against Absolutely. The, the bandwidth providers, right? So there's this game where during the whole net neutrality argument, one of the things that was going down is a company like Spectrum, although Spectrum didn't do this, but a company like Spectrum could go to Netflix and go, look, 
all of your clients are actually our clients. And for you to gain access to our clients, you got to pay us. That's essentially the shakedown that was happening with, with Netflix. And all of the little guys like me out there railed against the companies asking for money from Netflix. Netflix won that battle. Now, to be fair, they won that battle by making an agreement whereby they would take servers full of their content and put it at those providers. So those providers weren't having to deal with all of the issues of what's called peering and all of the bandwidth issues of having to deliver that content. In other words, Netflix went in and and materially took over almost all of those costs for those providers. That being said, in that space, you were the little guy and we all stood up for you. You should now stand up for the little guy that produces all of the content on your platform. And because now you're the asshole keeping those little guys' content from us. Yeah. Like the fact that you can't see that, fuck off. It's just ridiculous. It's crazy. Well, that's a great place, I think, to conclude this week's episode with a nice rant against Netflix. Um, I know, seriously, like it's it's just yeah, it's crazy. It's not. I will say though, as you close, it is nice to see uh, so much. For me, it's nice to see so much unionizing happen. Like it's yes, it's it's nice absolutely. to see it. Like we could get into a whole conversation at some point about the teachers' union I alluded to earlier. That's a much more complicated conversation. Yeah, I might not have the same conversation I had today. But yeah. me, me either, me either. Um, but that's another that's another uh, topic for another day. Uh, but yeah, maybe next week will be just as eventful as this week. Uh, Man, it has been a ride this week. I'll say that it really has. Um, Center Clueless podcast is produced by Ryan Barrel. Hi, Ryan. Please visit us at centerclueless.com for more information or find us on the social. Oh, that's what we didn't do. I was going to do. I was going to go through the mailbag this week, and I forgot. Dude. So okay. that's next week. That's definitely next week. Next How week. Dare definitely you. next week. You didn't even remember. Um, I didn't please, remember, but I, I, I depend on you to be my memory. I'm not going to lie. I know that's fraud. Please rate and review us on <laughs> Apple Podcasts and Spotify and tell your friends to tune in. If you have a question, comment, or criticism, you can email us at centerclueless at gmail.com. And next week we will be back uh, with uh, the mailbag. Maybe not the whole episode, but at least the first half, we'll do the mailbag and answer some questions. So until next time, whether you're left, right, or somewhere in the center, or vaping in a production of Beetlejuice and getting your dance on, we hope you're a little less clueless, just like us. Jesus. Uh, There's supposed to be music playing, people. Here it goes.